counting this week, we have three weeks left in this year-long series where we've been getting a big picture view of the Bible and we're in some what you would maybe call famous passages these last few weeks. We're in Hebrews 11, this uh, text about faith, and we're in a book called Hebrews. Whoever, who has read through the book of Hebrews ever? Raise your hand. That's impressive. Same thing for service. A lot more people than I thought. Uh, Hebrews, for the most part, is a pretty heady book. Uh, we're not sure who wrote it. It's written to Jewish converts who know the Old Testament well, and yet they were heading into that temptation that we've seen a little bit here and there where they were saying, yeah, Jesus expresses the grace of God, that's, that's it, but what if you obey this law as well? You probably should do that. Or, you know what, circumcision. They, they were beginning to add things onto the grace of God expressed in Jesus Christ. And so the theme of the whole book of Hebrews is this idea that the grace of God expressed in Jesus Christ is sufficient, it's supreme. You need nothing else to have a relationship with God. And so as, as I get into it, I'm going to ask Jeff Royce, who's sitting there in the back. He has no idea that this is going to happen. He's going to come up here and help me out with something. We did this as the first service, too. This is not planned, and it's a little scary. Um, so the, the entirety of this book is around the, the idea of faith in Jesus. Jesus is supreme for everything. It, it first 10 chapters, it feels a bit heady, but it, it's, that's what it's all about. They're dealing with a lot of Jewish customs and laws and Old Testament um, <laughs> And Mark Ash, the, you or me. it's scary for both of us, trust me. <laughs> a little more scary than I thought it would be. But, uh, but the idea, and I think it's good for us, when we think about faith, often it's this sort of cognitive thing we do. I believe. I have sort of mentally got to that point where I can believe in something, faith in God. And the writer of Hebrews understands that. That's just sort of true about humanity. And chapter 11 is all about true faith has to express itself in action. So Jeff is a good friend. We lead a small group together, and uh, he's going to stand right there. And he was chair of the board when I came on, and so I, I believe in Jeff. Um, I trust him. I, I, I think that perhaps if I stand here and fall backwards, he would catch me. It's debatable. I, I think physically it's possible. I believe it can happen. So if I stand here and I say I believe in that and I don't act upon it, that's faith that often we express. It's faith without, without action. If I say I believe if I fall back, Jeff will catch me and I <laughs> fall back, that is the whole point of Hebrews chapter 11. Thank you. You're welcome. It, it, don't clap for him. Um, both services, it's a little more daunting to begin to lean back and really believe that somebody's going to catch you. And that's the point of this book is it is a step of faith to say, I believe in a living God. I believe this God is full of grace. I believe this God has expressed to, to us all that we can, beyond what we can imagine. But then to live a life of faith, that's another step. And so... With all that said, let me pray before we jump in and read down through Hebrews 11. God, um, would you help us to see that faith in you, faith in a God who loves us, who died for our sins, who rose again, that relationship, that faith, that belief, Lord, it always ends up in action, in living in a certain way that points people towards you. We pray that you would teach us that this morning through your word, for your glory. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all God's people said, amen. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 says, 
Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. One of the best lines in all of Scripture, if you wonder what faith is, here it is. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. That's this sort of future-pointing reality that there's something out there more than just this. Through their faith, the people in the days of old earned a good reputation. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command, that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. I'll stop for one second. There's three or four things going on here that we need to have in our minds and our hearts as we jump into the rest of the chapter. One is a couple simple defini definitions. Faith is this. A lot of people use this definition of faith. Faith is looking at God and trusting him for everything. Simple to say, but if you think about that for a second, that's big. In fact, we're going to spend the first four weeks of this fall talking about what does it look like to trust God. Um, that's hard. Looking at God and trusting God for everything. Now here's what hope is. Hope is looking at the future and trusting God for it. And we see both of these in these texts. We see the definition of faith. Looking at God, trusting God for everything. But the writer of Hebrews also, a time and time again, is going to say, we hope for something more. I'm going to give you all these illustrations of people who live by faith. And the reason they lived by faith wasn't just because they looked at God for the current reality. The reason they lived by faith is because they knew the future. There was something that would happen where things would be made right. Things would be better. So faith and hope go together throughout this text. And the author talks about this idea of creation. And for a first century Jew, the creator God who created out of nothing was so important for them that he held that authority, that he held that command. We see these illusions towards life. Hope is all about the reality that this is not the end of the story. There's something more. We keep reading in verse 4. We're going to see all these, all these sort of examples of people who live by faith. If you didn't grow up in the church, all of these stories that we're going to encounter, we don't have time to go into all of them, they're Old Testament stories. They're stories from the Old Testament where God's people, Israel, were trying to be a blessing to the nations, to live him out to the nations around them. And so here we see example after example of people who live this by faith, looking at God, trusting him for everything, but also knowing that in the future there was a better and I believe that, and I'm going to live towards that. It was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man, and God showed his approval with his gifts. Although Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us by his example of faith. It was by faith that Enoch was taken to heaven without dying. He disappeared because God took him, for before he was taken up, he was known as a person who pleased God. And it is impossible to please God without faith. Write that down. Impossible, underline, impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. And as we go into some of these illustrations, some of them are big. right? There, there is a big faith, sort of that faith that moves mountains. It's like, wow, how do you do that? And then there's just sort of more normal examples of faith. We start with some of the big ones. It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God who warned him about things that had never happened before. Go and build a boat. It's the whole earth is going to be water. Never happened before. That's big faith. That's faith that just doesn't make sense in our minds. 
By his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world and he received the righteousness that comes by faith. It was by faith that Abraham, this is big faith, Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave his home and go to another land that God would give him as an inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. And even when he reached the land, God promised, he lived there by faith. For he was like a foreigner living in tents, and so did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city, circle that word, with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. Last couple chapters here, this idea of a city becomes one of the key themes, and it's a theme in Scripture. In chapter 12, the city is this heavenly Jerusalem. In chapter 13, it's this future city. And it's contrasted with the cities of the world that demand or want or invite our allegiance. At the end of the Bible in Revelation 21 and 22, the imagery is there's this new Jerusalem that comes down. It's a new city that God will now dwell with his people. He will be their God and they will be his children. The future city, and we're going to talk about this the next two weeks, I can't wait. The future city is when God comes down to his good world that he still loves and makes things completely right again. That is what they hope for in the text. That is what we hope for. That is the core of what our future hope is all about. Verse 11. It was by faith that even Sarah in her 90s was able to have a child, though she was barren and too old. She believed that God was keep his promise. And so a whole nation came from this one man who was as good as dead. In other words, he was just really, really old. A nation with so many people that like stars in the sky and sand on the seashore, there is no way to count them. All these people died still believing what God had promised. Isn't that interesting? All these people, and what we're going to see as we, as we read on is that the life of faith is the idea that sometimes we live by faith and we don't see the ultimate fulfillment of what we hope for. For a lot of us, God may not come back in our lifetime and restore all things, but we still live by faith and hope, believing that that is happening now and will ultimately happen one day. Same, th same thing for these Old Testament examples. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it all from a distance and welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. Obviously, people who say such things are looking forward to a country they can call their own. If they had longed for a country, they came from, they would have gone, they, they could have gone back. But they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. That is why God is not ashamed to call their God, for he has prepared a city for them. That theme again and again. Verse 17, this, now we're just going to go a little more quickly through these examples. It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac, his only son, when God was testing him. Who had Abraham, who had received God's promises, ready to sacrifice his only son Isaac, even though God had told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God would bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. Verse 20. It was by faith that Isaac promised blessing for his future son, Jacob and Esau. It was by faith that Jacob, when he was old and dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and bowed in worship as he leaned on his staff. It was by faith that Joseph, when he was about to die, said confidently that the people of Israel would leave Egypt. He even commanded them to take his bones with them when they left. It was by faith that Moses... Moses' parents hid him for three months when he was born. They saw that God had given them an unusual child, and they were not afraid to disobey the king's commands. It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He thought it would be better suffer for the sake of Christ than, uh, than to own the treasures of Egypt. 
for he was looking forward to his great reward. Isn't that interesting? Like some of these by faith realities are invitations into perhaps a life of suffering. That by faith they're entering into places that aren't easy, but for the story of God, they're places that actually make a transformative difference. It was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt not fearing the king's anger. He kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. It was by faith that Moses commanded the people of Israel to keep the Passover and to sprinkle blood on the doorpost so that the angel of death would, death would not kill their firstborn sons. It was by faith that the people of Israel went right through the Red Sea as though they were on dry ground. But when the Egyptians tried to follow, they were drowned. It was by faith that the people of Israel marched around Jericho for seven days and the walls came crashing down. It was by faith that Rahab, the prostitute, was not destroyed at the people in her city who refused to obey God for she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. If you were hearing this in the first century and you, you were from this sort of Jewish heritage, you're getting excited. These are your stories. These are the stories that had been passed down. When I was in high school before basketball games, we would take out a VHS tape Kids, ask your parents after church what a VHS tape is. And we had this VHS tape that was a compilation of all these NBA guys, and each guy was all their really good dunks to different songs. My favorite was Charles Barkley to I Am a Warrior. You're going to want to check that song out after church. I Am a Warrior, Charles Barkley doing all these dunks, and it gets to the end of it, and you're revved up, you're ready to go, and it's like, 5'11 white guy, I'm going to go out and play like Charles Barkley. But you're ready, and that, that's sort of the feeling that people hearing this narrative would have. Like, we can do it. We can live this way. We can live this life of faith. You would think he would be done, but he's not. Now he keeps going, verse 32. He goes, how much more do I need to say? You should be excited by now. It, should take, it would take too long to recount the stories of faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, uh, David, Samuel, all the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, received what God had promised them. They shut the mouth of lions, quenched the flames of fire, and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back from death. Again, like, okay, let's go, God. What do you want us to do? We're ready. And then he goes here. Brothers were tortured. Refusing to turn from God in order to be set free, they placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Circle, underline, highlight. That, that is so, so key. That some of these by faith examples are people who died for the sake of the gospel. They did not reject the name of Christ. Rather, they walked to death for the name of Jesus Christ. And these were by faith realities just as much as the others because their hope was not just in this current reality. The hope was God would one day make everything right again. Some were jeered at and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prison. Some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half. Others were killed with the sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. They were too good for this world. Wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. And the readers of Hebrews needed to hear this because that might be their reality. Their by faith moment might be dying for the sake of the gospel. For most of us, that last part probably won't happen to us. As God lives, invites you to live this sort of by faith type of life, you probably won't die, but what is it? As we get on in this, this passage, I don't know about you, my, my heart starts beating a little faster, and I'm like, God, what's my by faith? How do you want me to live? What do you want me to do? Verse 39 says, 
For these people earned a good reputation because of their faith. It's faith that resulted in action, but it wasn't the action that gave them a good reputation. Noah did not have a good reputation because he built a really nice ark that went fast in the water. He had a good reputation because of his faith. Because he believed in the living God and the grace that has been given, that has been offered to all who would believe in Jesus Christ. Yet none of them received all that God had promised. They, they didn't see the, the fruition of, uh, of all they'd hoped for. For God had something better in mind for us so that they could not reach perfection without us. Hebrews 11 is all about that. First 10 chapters talking about faith in Jesus. That he is supreme, that he is sufficient. But if we believe in that Jesus, we believe in that grace that God offers us, then it always flows out in action. Faith plus action go hand in hand. And that's back to that faith and hope reality. That faith, is, faith looking at God, trusting him for everything. For everything. No matter how big or how small you think it is. But hope is saying hand in hand, I believe there's something better. So the faith that I have in God actually begins to express itself as I believe that God has a better reality in plan and invites me and wants me to be part of it then we have to read the first couple verses of chapter 12. When the Bible was originally written, it didn't have chapters and verses. Those were added hundreds of years later. And the first three verses of chapter 12 actually go with chapter 11. And so it says this, Therefore, in other words, because of everything you just heard, because you are inspired and scared at the same time by everything we just said, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses. Let us live this life of faith. You've seen it. You've heard the stories. You know what it can be. And we're inviting you into the very same thing. So here it is. How do we do that? Let us strip off every weight that slows us down. Especially the sin that so easily trips us up. up and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. I hate this metaphor. Can I get an amen for anybody else that hates running? The metaphor of running. And the idea is this, and you get the imagery. The idea is this, is if you were to run a race, this is for those of you that are going to be running the Mankato Half Marathon, if you were going to run that race, why would you choose to add extra weight? Why would you take 100-pound bags and put it over your shoulders? Wouldn't make sense. And the writer says it especially wouldn't make sense if you knew you could take those weights off and set them on the ground and run freely. In this by faith type of life, the first thing, if we're really going to enter, first thing is belief in Jesus Christ. That God wants to have a relationship with you. That God wants to forgive your sins. All of that. The next thing, after you believe, after you turn from all the other things that you believe and trust in and you believe in Jesus Christ, the next thing is, as you're running this race, this by faith type of life, take the things that hold you from being all that God wants you to be so that you can live the life of faith. Maybe it's sin. Maybe it's something that you need to get off your shoulders, give to God, maybe even give to somebody else. A sin that you can't get past. I think for a lot of us, the, the, the probably core sin that we struggle with when it comes to running this life, of this huge by faith type of life is I struggle to live by faith. The weight that I struggle with is the weight of self-worship. 
I think I'm good enough and smart enough. I don't live by faith the majority of the time because I live as though I don't need God. Take all of that, put it off, set it aside, and then here's the next thing. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. Take the weight off, set it aside, begin to live by faith, saying, God, I, I, I want day in, day out, minute by minute, hour by hour to live, live as a person who is expressing my faith in you. So you do that. And the invitation is this. We do this by keeping our eyes in T. Wright says we keep our imagination on Jesus. The one who came and died and rose again the one who has gone through more than we can imagine, the one who is with all who believe and trust in him. We run this life of faith with endurance by keeping our imagination, our hope, our eyes, everything that we can muster up on who Jesus is. The champion who initiates and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting him. He endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. If you are in the first century and this letter came to your group of people, your church, and it was read and you got to the end of this part, it would, you would feel a little bit like a halftime amazing pep talk that a coach gives, getting everybody excited, you're ready to go. And then the coach sends you out and says, it's going to be hard, go play hard, but just know this, when we get to the end of the fourth quarter, we win. Not even a guess. And that is what this chapter is meant to do. As I read this text and was thinking about all of these different Old Testament stories, my mind was also drawn to people around me. I think this is part of what we should do as we think about what does it look like for us to live this life of faith? Who are the by-faith people that inspire you? I have a friend named Carl. Carl, at age 50, at the prime of his career, decided to quit being the senior pastor of a church of thousands of people. And he decided to quit that job to go and raise money to be a missionary. <laughs> a little bit of a downward ladder move, if, if you want to think corporately. And not only did he quit his job as senior pastor to go and be a missionary, he decided, I'm going to go to all the places in the world where pastors can't get out to be trained. So I'm going to go to Iran and Transnistria and Morocco and all these places, many of which it's illegal to be a Christian, and I'm going to train pastors. Like, that's by faith. That inspires me to think about, to invite God, to say, how do I live this by faith kind of life? I have three good friends, Dave and Steve and Scott, who this last year have decided to quit whatever jobs they had to go and start brand new churches. I've done it, it's not easy. That's by faith. That's, that's by faith inspiring type of realities. I met with a friend recently who a couple of years ago took a training on how to share his faith. And now on a consistent basis, he sits down and has conversations with people and invites them to put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. That's by faith, right? 
I have another friend who is thinking about starting a new not-for-profit and the road is going to be tough and hard and beautiful, but that's by faith. That's by faith. So two simple questions. First one is this. What is God inviting you to do by faith? Not you to do because you're strong enough, but to do that you can only do by faith. I think there's two realities that help us know if it's by faith that we see in this text, but they're they're just true. One is, you know it's by faith if you have to get on your knees. You You know it's by faith if you have to get on your knees and pray. And say, God, either show me or this seems well beyond, way beyond. I can't imagine doing this. That's by faith, friends. That's by faith. And then the other thing, you know it's by faith when it's bringing heaven to earth. That's all this conversation of hoping for this city. A by faith reality is something that is making this world right again. Making it reflect more of what it would look like if God were actually in charge. So what is God inviting you to do by faith? Lori, during the announcements, talked about leading a small group. For some of you, you know that maybe God has wired you that way. But man, that's pouring into others. I I don't feel like that's by faith. To step into that for some of you would be by faith. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's just saying, I'm inspired, I want this, but I got to start by just asking God to give me faith, to show me what these by faith kind of moments could be. And then the second question, and it's important for us to go to this place often, is what is God inviting us as a church to do by faith? Not to do because maybe we think we can do it and we're strong enough and we have the right resources and and everything's in place, but what is God inviting us to do by faith? This last week we had a meeting on Thursday night with a group of people that are trying to put some clarity around some of these vision pieces that we've been talking about adding on to this space because we're out of space. Other than this room, we're out of space when it comes to reaching kids and students and classrooms for adults. To think about starting a church. See, Peter Wagner, the great, great missiologist of our time, says the best way on the face of the earth to, meet, to introduce new people to Christ is to start new churches. The best way. To think about the Congo and locally what God has for us. As I was reading books and watching messages this last week, thinking about vision pieces, Hebrews 11 kept coming to mind because I believe those are the type of things, if we get really serious about them, they put us on our knees as a church. Reaching new people. Caring about the next generation in radical ways puts us on our knees and it tells the world a bit of God's story that when we pray the Lord's prayer thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven we actually don't just believe it we live it out amen father you are beyond all that we can imagine your grace and your love more that you look at each person in this room, not through what we've done, not through how we've messed up. You look at us through Jesus Christ and you invite us to believe in you. 
For anybody that hasn't done that this morning, God, would they please start there? And then, Lord, I pray that you would be with those of us who are so prone, so tempted to day in, day out, just live the normal, do it, get through it type of life. And your invitation is to live by faith. Maybe it's faith to walk through a hard thing. Maybe it's faith to start something new. Maybe it's faith to use the gifts that you've given us. But you want us to live by faith. So God, for each of us, individually and for us as a church, I pray that you would give us the courage and strength to live by faith so that we can point people towards your hope. In your name, amen.